Thanks for listening to Thinking Biblically about things that matter. Today we're going to start our um, series on abortion. We're going to do a three-part series on abortion. And what we're going to do today is we're going to see the biblical case against abortion. Uh, we're going to see what we want to see is that abortion is clearly wrong, clearly atrocious according to the word of God. As Christians, it is vital that we are compassionate and that we are kind and that we are doing all that we can to, to care for moms and for families who, have, who, are, who are experiencing unexpected pregnancies. And so, uh, we are, so it, is very, it, is, it is very important that we are, that we are kind but it, it, and compassionate and do what we can um, to help those um, who are struggling, um, who are who are facing the prospect of of caring for a, a new baby that they they just don't know how they're going to do it and all of that like it is incredibly important for us to be kind and compassionate but but that being said um, it is um, vital that we are clear um, about how atrocious abortion truly is, how horrific it truly is. We, we have to be clear. The Bible just, the Bible is just clear. It's a sin. It is a sin. It is, it is murder. It is, the, it is the unjust killing of a person created in the image of God. And so we, we have to be clear on that from Scripture. So that's what we're going to start. That's our first, our first lesson on abortion is going to just... Um, dive into that. Here's the biblical case against abortion, and so that's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna we're gonna look at some important biblical passages, and then we're gonna see um, after we look at what Scripture has to say about abortion, we're gonna see here's how science and logic corroborate the 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 scriptural evidence. Here's here's how science and logic agree with Scripture. So that's what we're doing today. All right, so, so let's look at some important biblical passages. First, first passage I want to draw your attention to, Genesis 1.27. It says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. That is, here is the ultimate reason why, um, why it is a sin to unlawfully end the life of a human person. Um, because human persons are created in the image of God. We are created in the image of God. This is what gives us worth. This is what gives us our value. This is why it is okay to kill an animal for meat. Um, this is why it's okay to hit a baseball with a baseball bat, but it is not okay to hit a human with a baseball bat. Um, it, what, what gives us our intrinsic value? We are created in the image of God. Our second passage, Exodus twenty thirteen: You shall not murder. Never intentionally kill an innocent person. And by innocent, I simply mean they don't deserve to die. 
never intentionally kill an innocent person. It means innocent just means they they, they haven't they haven't done anything. Um, they haven't done anything um, to deserve the death penalty. Never intentionally kill an innocent person. But but that that comes to it. So when we think that when we remember that every person is created in the image of God, and we remember that it is a sin to intentionally kill an innocent person, we have to ask ourselves, though, is an unborn baby a person? Is an unborn baby a person? And according to the Old Testament, yes. This brings us to our third, um, brings us to our third biblical passage, Exodus 21, 22 through 25, says this, When men strive together and hit a pregnant woman, so that her children come out, but there is no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fined, as the woman's husband shall impose on him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. So, so what is this law saying? Essentially, it's saying this. If you are fighting with someone and you accidentally hit a pregnant woman, causing her to go into labor, there will be appropriate punishment handed down to you. So when it, so when it says that there is harm, what it's referring to is either the woman or the baby. So the punishment for accidentally harming an unborn baby is the same as if you accidentally harmed the mom. Old Testament law went out of its way to protect unborn babies the the, the 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 punishment for harming an unborn baby is the same as if you harm that unborn baby's mother also here the the hebrew word for children is pronounced something like yeled it's a, um it's a word that is commonly used for babies or children or even sometimes young adults and I just point that out to observe that the Bible doesn't have, and this is the same in the New Testament as well, like in Luke chapter 1, where you have the, the unborn babies in, in that story, this, where, where, where John the Baptist and Jesus, are, uh, their, their mothers are together in the same, in the same room, and John the Baptist um, leaps for joy in, in his mother's womb. Um, the, the, the word in the, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the the word the authors use for unborn baby is the same as the word for baby. It's just child. It's just baby. It's, they don't have a word for the unborn baby. They don't have a special word for it. Um, when, the, when the biblical authors thought of an unborn child, they thought of a child. Children are ch children, whether they're inside the womb or not. So then our, our final passage that I want to look at really quickly is Psalm 139, 13 through 16. Psalm 139, 13 through 16. This is our, our, our last, and there's tons of biblical passages we could use. I just wanted to, to give you a few that you could kind of hold on to and to remember and to point to when you're talking about um, what the Bible says uh, about ending the life of an unborn 
baby. And so Psalm 139, 13 through 16 says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. So David is talking to the Lord and he's expressing this wonder and thankfulness um, for, for the way God has made him. Verse 15, my, my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. And so there's, a, there's I mean, Psalm 139, there's so much we could talk about. Okay, there's, David is making all kinds of big theological points. I just want to key in on one thing David says here. David says, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. So, so what David is saying is this. David the embryo was David the person. David didn't say, you knitted the, the, you, you, you knitted, um, the little thing that was going to someday become me. You knitted the clump of cells that one day would be me. You did, no, David is saying, you knitted me. David is saying when when I, 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 he, David says you, you your eyes saw my unformed substance. So when when David was an unformed substance, when David was at the very earliest stages as an embryo, as a fetus, as an unborn baby, at, from from the very earliest moments of David's existence, God was knitting him together. David says, "I was me." David says, I was me from the moment of conception, from the, from, the, from the moment of conception. David the fetus is David the person. David the embryo is David the person. You knitted me together. And there are other passages that say some of the same things that this passage says. You could look at Job chapter 10. You could look at Isaiah 44. You could look at Jeremiah 1. You could look at Psalm 51. The biblical principle is clear. The embryo is the person. The fetus is the person. A person is created in the image of God. It is unlawful to kill a person. It is an evil sin against God to end the life of an unborn baby. At any stage, at any stage in its development. Why? Because that, that embryo, that fetus, that unborn baby is a person created in the image of God. You knitted me together. From the earliest moments, that person is being knitted together by God. That person is that person. And they are created in the image of God. They are knitted together by God. They are loved by God. It is an atrocity to, to, to end their life. That is the word of God on abortion. Now quickly, how do science and logic agree with this biblical case against abortion? How do science and the logic agree with Scripture? So first let's Let's look very quickly at science. Um, these, um, these four points, these four characteristics I found on Tim Challey's blog. Um, if you'd like the full article, I'll, I'll email to you. 
the article is called Making the Case Against Abortion, um, and it's by Tim Challies. And here are four characteristics that he has written down, uh, and science agrees. Science agrees. Now, now, what scientists believe this means, of course, is different than what we believe it means, um, but they agree on these characteristics. Here are four characteristics common to all preborn children. Number one, preborn child is complete. From the moment of fertilization, the preborn child is complete. All the information that needs to be there is there. It simply needs time to grow. Number two, that child is unique. The scientific evidence of DNA proves that the preborn child is unique and genetically distinct from his or her mother. The preborn child is not a part of the mother, like an appendix, but a unique entity inside his or her mother. Number three, living. That preborn child is living. The laws of biology tell us that the preborn child is alive because it is growing, it is developing, it is un- undergoing metabolism, it is responding to stimuli, it is living. And then number four, that preborn child is human. The scientific law of biogenesis states that living things reproduce after their own kind. So dogs beget dogs, cats beget cats, goldfish beget goldfish, and humans beget humans. Not parasites or blobs of cells, but humans. That person growing and developing and living inside of his or her mother is a human, complete and unique living human being. So science corroborates what Scripture says. When David says, you knitted me together, David says, I I was David the person. David the fetus is David the person. And science agrees. That preborn baby is complete, unique, living, and human. So that's science. Science agrees. And then logic also is helpful. Um, I suggest memorizing Stephen Schwartz's SLED test. SLED, S-L-E-D, SLED. This acronym first comes from his 1990 book, The Moral Question of Abortion. So this, this SLED acronym helps us see there is no moral difference between the adult I am today and the embryo I once was. There's no reason that the embryo I once was has less rights than the adult I am today. So here's how it was explained in an article from from the pro-life training website called How to Defend Your Pro-Life Views in Five Minutes or Less. So here's how you can explain the SLED test. S, the S in SLED is for size. So true, embryos are smaller than newborns and adults, but why is that relevant? Do we really want to say that large people are more human than small ones? Men are generally larger than women, but that doesn't mean that they deserve more rights, that they have more right to live. Size doesn't equal value. The L in SLED is level of development. True, embryos and fetuses are less developed than the adults they'll one day become. But again, why is this relevant? Four-year-old girls are less developed than 14-year-old girls. Should older children have more rights than their younger siblings? Some people say that self-awareness makes one human. 
But if that is true, newborns do not qualify as valuable human beings. Six-week-old infants lack the immediate capacity for performing human mental functions. So do the reversibly comatose, the sleeping, and those with Alzheimer's disease. The E in the SLED test is environment. Where you, have, where you are has no bearing on who you are. Does your value change when you cross the street or roll over in bed? If not, how can a journey of eight inches down the birth canal suddenly change the essential nature of the unborn from non-human to human? If the unborn are not already human, merely changing their location can't make them more valuable. And then the D is degree of dependency. If viability makes us human, then all those who depend on insulin or kidney medication are not valuable and we may kill them. Conjoined twins who share blood type and bodily systems also have no right to life. In short, it's far more reasonable to argue that although humans differ immensely with respect to talents, accomplishments, and degrees of development, they are nonetheless equal because they share a common human nature. So if you're in the midst of, of a healthy conversation with someone who is unsure about abortion or is trying to defend it, the SLED test can be very helpful. And perhaps it'll be helpful to, to ask the person you're talking about or talking with to, to think of a toddler. Right? So if, if, if size and level of development and environment and degree of dependency, if that changes how valuable we are, if, if we have more size and if we're more developed and we have a different environment if we're, and if we're less dependent, if, if those things change how valuable we are, then the toddler is far less valuable than the adult is. If we reject the sled test, then the toddler has less of a right to live than you or I do. But if scripture is true, that we are created in the image of God, that, that the unjust killing of an innocent person is evil, that, that David the embryo, David the fetus, is David the person, then the same is true for you and me. And so killing an unborn child is just as evil as killing a toddler. This is a heavy topic, but if we're going to think about it clearly, then we have to think about it biblically. If we're going to talk about it clearly, we have to talk about it biblically. We have to submit wholeheartedly to Scripture. So if you have any comments or questions, or if you'd like me to send you this article, or this, the, these notes that have the links to the different articles and the, and the sled test and all of that, if you'd like, some, if you'd like these notes sent to you, just, just email me. Or if you have any questions, you can email me, pastorsteveron at gmail.com. Next week... Um, next week, we're going to um, look at some ways that we can respond to, to abortion. Abortion is a massively, almost overwhelming problem. Um, but we can respond to it. There are some things we can do um, to stand against it. So we're going to look at that um, next time. And until then... Thanks for listening.